This episode of Hit the Lights is brought to you in partnership with Sparks. Sparks is the only magazine for UK electrical students and apprentices and also helps support the next generation through annual competitions such as Sparks Learner of the Year and new for 2023 Sparks Female Skills Competition. Check out Sparks' Instagram at Sparks Magazine UK to learn more and for a one-stop page for all news, memes and more from the electrical industry. Welcome to another edition of Hit the Lights podcast. I've got a very special guest with me today. I've got Dan McAdam. How are we? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Yeah, you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Busy as ever. But um, how about yourself? All good, yeah. Um, I, I feel as though we've set this recording up um, as we've just come out of a little bit of a dark tunnel, um, certainly in the domestic electrical side of things. Um it's been a difficult year, to be honest, since the cost of living crisis was a thing and um, everybody was very, very apprehensive about how much everything was going to cost. Um, and it's really interesting. Obviously, the last three years have been um, interesting, shall we say, with COVID, um, you know, the, the the rug being pulled from everybody's feet and sitting at home waiting to get back to work um, and that paranoia of COVID slowly washing away and we all started realising we could do what we needed to do. Whereas this, this problem, the cost of living thing, I think because it was an unknown quantity and I think because a lot of consumers were apprehensive about how much things were going to go up, uh, naturally, in our game, uh, the phone wasn't ringing as much and the inquiries slowed down a little bit. But on the flip side of that coin, um, Gary, since Liz Trust kind of rode in on her horse a couple of weeks ago and said that, you know, she was going to give some assistance towards the rising energy costs and, and cap them at a certain level. Um, it was almost very strange, almost like overnight, you can imagine our setup in the office, all the phones started ringing again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it had it kind of dipped by about 30%. And I dare say, touch wood, we don't know what's around the corner, but it's kind of gone back to where it was before. So, yeah, that's that's good news, really. No, that's good. So let, let's take it back a step then. Um, what was your journey into the electrical industry? So... Um, God, it's, it's a bit of a weird and wonderful one, to be honest with you, mate. And I, and I will bore you with the details because... Uh, please, please do. <laughs> it's interesting and, and a little bit funny, to be fair. Um, so I started out uh, in the hair industry. Um, and for anybody who's watching the video will uh, probably realise how ironic that is. I was selling hair products um, with absolutely not a uh, thread of hair on my head. And um, I was doing that for about five years for a large corporation and selling shampoo, hair colour, so on and so forth. This is going back some time now. Mm. And uh, then I was approached by one of the salon owners um, who basically wanted me to help him uh, import an American uh, hair care product. So we did that for two years. It was really, really difficult. 
Um, and now looking back, as luck would have it, his brother-in-law owned a really large um, electrical contracting firm in um, central London. And they did a lot of the work on uh, London Underground, um, a lot of big ticket stuff, you know, a, a large kind of commercial outfit. And it was around about the time where uh, the LED boom um, was just beginning, you know, so LED GU10s, MR16s, there was all sorts of false promises about them, nobody knew how to dim them, you know, all, all that time basically. But I think all anybody did know for sure is that they were much cheaper to run and they, uh, over the, the lifespan or the life expectancy, they're going to be much cheaper to maintain. And, and I still remember it, like now, I was, I was in the car driving around with all my shampoo in the boot and, and Paul, my business partner at the time, had had a dinner party, uh, around the Mitt's house the night before and they got talking about these LED lights and, uh, and, and Paul said to them, well, the only type of light in hair salons tends to be spotlights. And, you know, there are hundreds of these things. And of course, Mick was explaining to him that the energy is reduced by 90% and they won't have to paint in five years. And, and I got a text off Paul just saying, why don't we try and sell light bulbs? And at the time, if you can appreciate, I was trying to sell, you know, shampoo to people who already had shampoo and um, with no hair. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's not, not the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> um, when they ask me how I know it's any good, I kind of just slowly creep out of the room and uh, <laughs> <laughs> make a beeline for the glass. Um, but long story short, we, we started to realise that if we went into these hair salons with LED spotlights that were being provided to us by Paul's brother-in-law at the time, and we did a few calculations and we worked out their opening hours and we worked out their running costs. And we could present to them a, a more cost-effective solution. And, and then we added to that artillery um, a kind of finance solution. So the, the whole gig was we'd go in, we'd prove to them how much money they'd save a month. And then we would... Um, propose that they pay that off over 12 months and almost mathematically prove that their savings are going to cover the repayments on the loan. Um, and as I said, this is many years ago. This is many, many years ago. At the time, I didn't know the first thing about electrics, lighting. I had to learn it all, put myself in courses. Um, but I really thought it was an amazing opportunity. Um, and then we, we carried on doing that in the salon industry. We set up a new company. Um, and we effectively were just trying to convert commercial premises to LED um, and offer a finance solution. And that's kind of how I got into the industry. Um, and then to put a little bit more meat on the bones... Um, that particular business just wasn't really doing as well as I thought it would be. Um, I still, well, I think it's something I'll take to my grave with me, to be honest. I don't know why more people didn't want lights free 
Mm. Um, you know, but maybe it was too good to be true. I think that was probably a large uh, percentage of the reason there was quite a bit of pushback. On maybe, maybe it was too early. Possibly, possibly, because mm. I, I, you know, it's it's rare not to find uh, LEDs now, isn't it? You know, we've yeah. come full circle there. The LEDs now are failing and they're getting replaced with newer uh, technology. So maybe it was too early and, and um, you know, probably that was against us at the time. Um, but anyway, as, as luck would have it, I kind of changed my business model. I thought to myself, well, what I probably need to do rather than trying to find the customer is possibly sell the solution to people who already have customers. Mm. Uh, like electrical contractors, and I, and I and I and I kind of went in my mind. I thought I'd go in quite big, and we've got an, an electrical contractor down the road called Alpine Works, um, and they're a really really large outfit. Again, I think they've won the ECA Electrical Contractor of the Year a couple of times, and I just happened to be in the right place at the right time, Gary. I, I walked in. We've got a reception, and as luck would have it, John, the company owner, was actually standing with the receptionist. Um, and I just kind of bowled in, cold call, um, and started asking if I could speak to whoever made the decisions, company owner. And uh, John kind of heard me out and didn't really let on. And, and after that, he said, do you want to come through? And, and I sat in his office, um, and he didn't, <laughs> he wasn't interested at all in the solution, by the way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't, that, that, that didn't happen. But what did happen, is he explained to me that he was um, looking to set up a domestic division within his organisation. Um, and he had been interviewing uh, people to potentially help him set that up for a few months without any joy. And he basically said, do you want to do it? <laughs> like, there, <laughs> like there and then. Um, which was you know, obviously a massive surprise. And a massive worry, because although at that point I knew everything there was to know about lighting, I literally did not know the first thing about the power side of things. Mm. You know, like, if you just said, like, 2.5 T&E to me, you may as well have been speaking Swahili, to be totally honest with you. Um, and, I, and I expressed those concerns to John, and John just said, look, mate, you'll pick it up. Um, and I'm, you know, super grateful that I was... You know, given that opportunity and, and, and super grateful that I, that took it because over the next two years, sitting in an office at John's place, I started to realize, which is how we come full circle to what we do now, the impact it makes having a really safe pair of hands in the office and kind of managing the guys, directing the guys, scheduling their work liaising with wholesalers, building quotes, placing quotes, sending invoices, answering the phone, replying to emails. And I, I could almost feel it, you know, because I was doing it all day, every day. And unbeknown to me at the time, I was actually learning, um, or I should say almost like creating uh, this system uh, that we now offer to small independent SME electrical contractors. That was the whole the, the the story, mate. Yeah, no, definitely. It sounds like a heck of a journey. Quite a fortuitous one to just wander in on the office on that day, isn't it? Um, but those are usually the best ones. Definitely, mate. Yeah, hundred percent. 
Um, so in terms of your development then, during that two-year period, you say you undertook some qualifications, you kind of went a little bit more on that side of things, or did you focus com- completely on, let's say, the commercial aspects of developing the business and the things that you've gone on to since offer and develop as a, as a company? So um, obviously, do you mean when we were kind of doing the, the lighting, or do you mean now what we're <laughs> when, when you were when you were with, um, I can't remember the name of the company, but John, for those two yeah. years in that in that period, did, how did you develop your knowledge of the power side, the things that you weren't so sure on? Just really learning on the job. That was very much John's style, um, and and I think with a lot of things, Gary, um, we have a tendency to overthink things. I think as as humans, probably. Um, and, you know, almost 99 times out of 100, things are never as hard or as bad as you presume they're going to be. Mm. Yeah. Um, and although um, our industry, you know, basically I, I, I kind of pitch our service now as like a bespoke administration company that only works with electricians. And the reason I do that is because we've got the knowledge. We know all the terminology. We know what a PIR is. You know, we know what a two-gang dimmer switch is. Um, and we know how to have those conversations with clients and we know how to sell that stuff. But having said that, when you do get to grips with it and you do start to learn it, it is something that I think, given the right amount of attention, you can pick up. You know, it, it, it's difficult to grasp, but it's, it's not rocket science. That yeah. Yeah, well, it's like a learning another language, isn't it? And yeah. you just get familiar with it. So what what was the spark of the idea then that you said at that point, I think I've got something here. I'm going to go and set up my own business that's going to offer these services. Um, so I sat. <laughs> John, obviously, is still a good friend of mine now. Um, and um, I, I, I think I'm quite a loyal kind of grateful person and I appreciate you gave me this brilliant opportunity so while I'm sitting in this office I'm almost having these thoughts about if I could just package what I'm doing here now for the one-man band surely that's got to be something which is going to be worth its weight in gold so I'm kind of almost being consumed by these thoughts all day every day and I start to put a bit of meat on the bone to start to think about how, what it might look like. And um, the, the real rocket, the catalyst, if you like, was actually in a, a in a pub with a friend over a pint. Um, and he is uh, a spark. He's an electrician. And I was boring him to death with this brilliant idea of mine. And asking him, you know, desperate to find out what he thinks and whether it would be useful and if he might be able to, you know, utilize a service like that. And he literally turned around to me, Gary, and he basically said, look, mate, I don't know if it's going to work, but if it does, you'll save my marriage. <laughs> and um, it really, really, like, took, I still remember those words almost every day. Mm. And that was seven years ago. And the reason it took me by surprise is because up until that point, I knew it was a problem because, you know, we've all waited for quotes from tradesmen um, and we've, we've all had to chase them and we've all tried to call tradesmen 
to get them to come round to do something, and it's sometimes like getting blood out of a stone. Um, but when he told me that he thought it could save his marriage, then it almost fully confirmed to me that this isn't only like a problem practically, if that makes sense. I began to start to understand how much of an issue it is for the tradesmen themselves. Mm. Now, six years into the journey, the one thing that I get the biggest kick out of, um, even though, you know, financially we're doing well, we're growing, it's exciting, we're getting lots of inquiries, but the thing that I get the biggest kick out of is when we take on a new client and then they, or in certain instances, would you believe their partners will actually contact me to say thank you. Mm. They finally got some of their life back. Um, and, and, and a really good example of that is when they're on holiday. Like, I don't think I've, I don't think I've had a single client that hasn't at some point over the last six years sent me a little WhatsApp from, from the pool on holiday. Probably drunk, let's face it. <laughs> but saying this is the first holiday I've ever had where I feel as though I've, 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 I've semi shut down. I've, I've actually began to enjoy my holiday rather than pretend to enjoy my holiday whilst mm. I'm worrying about the business. And I think as business owners, that will really resonate and it really resonates with me and, and, um, yeah, so, you know, that's almost like a really great byproduct of what we do. No, yeah. So let's just um, probably, we've touched on what the business kind of does at a high level. The, the business itself, what's it called? Rewired. Rewired, okay. And basically, like you kind of said, you're, you're an admin agency, let's say, that will facilitate um, lots of the things that one-man bands, electricians can't facilitate during their working day um, and you kind of pick up that slack for them mm-hmm. um, so some of the things that uh, an electrician I was just going to go through we'll, we'll touch on some of the things that you offer as services and um, and how you facilitate it help it and just have conversations around that mm-hmm. so like so like quotations being being one of the first ones obviously it's every electrician's nightmare isn't it trying to do a quotation you have to do the evening visits yeah. To go and survey the jobs after you finished your day and stuff like that. How how does your company help facilitate those? So, great place to start because you know they do get a lot of bang from their book with us helping out with quotations. I think quotations is one of those things that you know a lot of electricians find themselves doing. You know, in the dead of the night uh, after the kids have gone to bed, it's quarter to twelve, and then that whole process becomes more about getting the quotation sent than sending the quotation correctly, well-priced, get the profit in there, well-worded, and, and the list goes on. Um, just before I get into the quotations, I think it's really important just to understand that the reason, certainly I think we can do all this, is because of our, um, our, our, our education, our knowledge and our experience within the industry. So I haven't got a single employee that hasn't come from the electrical industry. And they've always kind of got that wealth of knowledge, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, in fact, I can say this within the industry on things like this. You know the guys and girls sometimes uh, within the wholesaler 
that you hope answers the phone. When you ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they are the people I go and find, right? They're, they're the people mm. that I need working within my organisation because that's kind of what we do. You know, we live and die by our professionalism and our our understanding of the industry. And with quotations, obviously the current method with uh, everybody out there doing their own quotes is go and visit Mr. and Mrs. Smith, take some notes, drive back in the van, put the notes on the back seat, drive home, job done, end of the day, more often than not. They're now concentrating on getting home, seeing the family, having some food. And from my experience, the quote almost, even though contradict business because you've spent the time going there, you've spent the time in the house and then you've spent the time driving home and all the implications from fuel and time and blah 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 blah. Once that is done, it is quite amazing how many tradesmen and sparks then just kind of like forget about it. Mm. Uh, and sometimes the only time they're ever reminded is when the customer goes as far to chase up the quote. And Let's face it, they've already got a bit of a bad taste in their mouth when they're having to do that because then they're starting to think maybe he doesn't want the business. Um, but we take that kind of broken method, if you like. Um, and the way we do it is um, our clients, they get designated an account manager within um, our place. They'll go and meet Mr. and Mrs. Smith, take the notes, jump back in the van. And then what we do is or certainly what the majority of our clients do, is they need to get that information over to us in the office, okay? And I really, really strongly recommend that they do that outside the house while it's fresh in their mind um, and they, um, you know, they just can box it off and tick it off. We use a, a voice recognition app called Otter because we find that people that don't mind using voice recognition, again, gets the job done really quickly for the spark. And all we ask is three pieces of information. We just need a, um, a brief description of the work. Now, bear in mind, we send quotes out all day, every day. Mm. Uh, so when I say brief description of the work, we just need to know what you're doing, and then we can put the meat on the bones, if you like. Mm. Uh, we need a list of materials, and um, then we need how long the job is going to take. And what we effectively do is we um, receive that voice recognition, that, that voice note, um, whether it be on the day or the following day, and then we literally go into their systems and we build and send and chase the quote for them. So we write the quote out from the voice note, we send the list of materials off to the wholesaler, we apply their margin when the materials come back, We've obviously got all their rates at this point because we've got like a fact file for them and we know everything there is to know about the business that we're working with. Um, the client has told us how long the job's going to take. We, we build the quote. We word it all out. We flesh it out. We write it through the eyes of the customer because obviously it's kind of what we do. We like all that fluffy stuff. There's no like sparky language in there. It's all sales language that the the customer will understand, which is a big part of it, actually, in my opinion. Um, and then the quote gets sent out um, within 24 hours. And it's that part of it which makes the world a difference. I mean, people are so bowled over when they get their quote back within 24 hours. Mm. Yeah, sometimes it's like we've, you know, like invented the wheel or something. It's crazy. It no, really that's good. Is. 
Um, and also another part of it, Gary, that I think is a massive, massive issue within the industry is we, we always follow up our quotes. Um, so we do like a following day follow up and then a week follow up. And again, the amount of, um, quotes which are converted during that follow up process is astounding sometimes. You know, it really, really is. And, and to think that a lot of tradesmen don't even bother with a follow up call, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, particularly if you're snowed under, I can imagine it's uh, you've got a list a mile long to chase. But, um, oh, absolutely. In, in terms of the quotation process, then I'm going to throw a scenario at you because obviously one of the things that kind of is always frequently mentioned is the the race to the bottom within the industry. Mm-hmm. So say say I was on your books and you're assisting me with a quotation, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to do an absolute rock bottom price, mm-hmm. um, and w- would you? stop me would you provide some advice uh would you kind of assist in some guidance along the way if i said i wanted to do 10 pound an hour or something of that nature i think i think the really nice thing about that question gary it's a brilliant question by the way it's something that i always forget to mention when i'm talking about what we do um when you go to an individual and you ask that individual um their opinion on how much I should be charging. Okay, so say I'm a spark and I go to somebody like yourself or I go to maybe a mentor or a business coach or a, or a fellow spark in the area and I'm basically just saying, look, how much do you think I should charge? The, the response that you get from whomever it may be is based on their opinion. Okay, um, it's based on what they think you can get away with or they based on what they think you're worth now the really <laughs> by accident thing that happened when i set rewired up and it didn't even dawn on me that this was going to be something that happened is when you've got nearly a hundred clients all over the country um, and i'm talking about scotland northern ireland isle of Wight, and everywhere in between you get a really unique perspective on what you can and can't charge. Like, almost like completely unique. I don't know, because it's like a, a new concept, I don't think anybody else can go, right, so I've got a really good cross-section here of what people are charging and the types of quotes that are being accepted. So the short answer to your um, question, Gary, is absolutely we would intervene 100%. But we wouldn't do it from a place of um, we think this is the right thing to do. We do it from a place where we go, look, we've got another five electricians that are in and around your area that are charging £65 plus VAT for the first hour and then, say, £45.55 for the second hour thereafter. And, and what I've noticed when I've taken on a new client who is incredibly cheap um, again, not in my opinion, but I know they're cheap because it's based on figures and facts and um, what's actually happening within my kind of small cross-section of clients. Um, they, they really kind of appreciate that because they know that I'm not trying to gain anything from it other than trying to give them a bit of solid advice. And... Ultimately, this race to the bottom rhetoric language um, exists, but 
in my strong opinion, if you are out there and you are being consistent, you are turning up when you say you're going to, your workmanship is good, you are um, thorough, and we're going to go back to what I began with, consistent, without doubt, the number one thing, then you become less associated with that part of our industry. And people are willing to pay good quality people for a good quality job. There is there is no question about that. No, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of the other, other aspects then, um, I'm going to say like managing phone, email, you know, being contactable and stuff like that. How, how do you facilitate that aspect of things? So the, the phone side of things is without question the most popular uh, part of um, our setup. Um, everybody wants help with their phones. I, again, do not blame them. I can't quite get my head around the fact that people are out there changing a fuse board and at the same time trying to schedule the next quote visit or got to go back and change the flickering down light that they installed last week. It, it, it literally blows my mind. You know, I, I don't, it's like juggling. It, it's amazing, really. And it's also amazing how fast, how far tradesmen get, even with all that extra baggage and with all that extra responsibility. But with the phone side of things, basically what we do is we um, divert their calls into our office. So that can be either from a mobile phone or it can be from a kind of fixed marketing landline. And at our end, we obviously have heads up displays which tell us um, the number of the caller and the name of the company they're calling. And of course, the clients get their own account manager and that account manager has all the information they need to hand to be able to process that call. Now. This is, again, in my opinion, the big difference between what we do and what a standard virtual assistant does, per se, because there are hundreds of companies out there that will help you with your call handling, if that makes sense. Um, but what they are essentially doing is they're taking a message, they are finding out what the problem is, and then they're sending that message to the company owner to deal with at a more convenient time. Um, whereas what we do is we take full responsibility for the call and the processing of that call. So when a call comes in, we know that it's either going to be a minimum charge or a call out. Um, it's either maybe a, an hour's worth of investigations needed for a tripping fault. Um, we might need to send our client to the property for a quote visit. You know, maybe we're swapping some pendants to some down lights or a, or a hot tub supplier, some garden lighting or what have you. Or we might need to request a photograph to be able to provide them with a price. The best example of that would be an EICR um, if we're basing it on number of circuits in the board. Um, so those four scenarios um, are the kind of outcomes of any phone call, really. Um, it's, it's, it's being able to identify what's needed, talk the customer through it, kind of upsell the service. And then once the customer's agreed to, uh, proceed, presuming that they do, um, we then go on to a shared diary. Now that could be 
Google Calendar or any of the wonderful um, kind of <laughs> softwares that we are sold all day every day. I mean, you name it, we use it a hundred percent. Like Service Main, Traderfy, Comisoft, Jobba, Howard Now. The list goes on and on and on and on and on, as you know. And I'm sure there's hundreds that we don't know about yet that are lurking in the darkness. Um, but we we have access to their software uh, and we follow their guidance and we create the job or the quote visit. Um, and then we log that, we say goodbye to the customer and the end product is the the guy who is changing that fuse board, who last week was trying to juggle all this whilst, you know, installing it, um, is, is having his diary managed for him, uh, by, hopefully, I like to think a safe pair of hands. Um, so it takes that fear out of it a little bit. Um, and he's getting on with the job in hand. Um, so that, that's the, the whole basis of the core handling side of things. No, I mean, that sounds really, really interesting. What are the other things? Because you kind of briefly touched on it as part of the, the answer for the quotations, but obviously it's materials and the ordering of materials for the, for the next, let's say, working day or, or anything like that. Are you involved with that in terms of diary planning? In, in terms of the material, organizing the materials for the jobs, what I've found over the last six years is it is something that the company owner likes to keep a bit of a handle on himself. And I'll be honest with you, Gary, I don't blame them. Because with what we do, there is there's two types of people, there's two types of client. There's the client that comes to us and says, um, I've had enough, I can't keep up with everything, I've tried for a number of years, take it off my hands. And those clients are quite rare, actually. Much, much, much more common is the customer who comes to me very, very apprehensive about losing some control of their business. Very, very skeptical about whether or not outsourcing is the correct thing to do. Okay. Um, and I have like literally, I've had hundreds of conversations with these people and I do not blame them because I'm the world's worst control freak. Like if you came to me and started telling me that, Oh, I'm going to take these parts of your business and I'm going to do them for you. You would have a tough gig trying to sell that to me. You, you really would. So I can't be hypocritical when a Sparky who spent the last five years growing this business through blood, sweat and tears is skeptical about putting somebody on the front line. Um, and, and normally, you know, we have a conversation. Hopefully I can put their mind at ease. A big part of it is there's no contract in place for us. So we're only ever as good as our last phone call or our last email reply, or our last quote that we've built. Um, and I've never had a contract in place. And hopefully that takes some of the, the fear out of it, if that makes sense. But the, the sorting of materials, in the early days of Rewired, I, I was obviously you know trying to sell the dream, and I wanted to do everything for anyone. I probably would have drove and done your shoelaces <laughs> if you'd asked me to. Well, as experience has kind of come on and I've kind of settled where we are, the company owner much prefers to just have a handle of that because it can be such a, it can almost break a relationship down. You know, if, if something goes wrong or there's a line missed on an email or something like that. So 
As far as the relationship with a wholesale is concerned, we what we tend to do is if any quoting, we'll get that list off to the wholesaler. We'll then wait for the list to come back. We then attach the quote to the job um, if the software will allow us to. And that process then allows, once the quote is accepted and has been scheduled into the diary, it then allows the company owner to be well ahead of the game as far as materials are concerned. So they can go into next week's job. We've got all the PDFs attached to all the jobs. But it's a case of them just casting their eye over it. And I get that. I'd want to do that, you know, because I know that one of the the most painful things is these last-minute surprises. And what you don't want is being, you know, planning a day out with your kids and the phone ringing saying, oh, we've got the wrong bezel on these downlights. You know what I mean? It, 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 yeah. Stressful, it causes a huge amount of anxiety. Um, so we don't sort materials out for the coming jobs, but we will organise what materials are needed for the company owner to kind of push the button, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Having the quotation to hand to order is... is uh, probably a nice cut-off point. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of um, like building relationships, then do you are you able to kind of facilitate? Uh, let's say uh, you know you're a small one-man band. You're not necessarily dealing with a massive accounts. At, you know nationwide wholesalers. Do you are you able to kind of facilitate connecting those dots and building relationships in that manner as well? I mean, we we. We can do, because as you can probably imagine, we know a lot of them in a lot of different areas. But I, it, right on day one, I made the decision that we weren't going to recommend. So if, if you come to me and you ask me what I think the best software is, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what my favourite is. I don't think there's a standout winner. Um, I think there's four or five that are very, very good. But I will have that conversation with you. But what I will never do is try and push a software on a client. Mm. In the same way, I will never, and nor will any of my guys, try and almost... What I'm trying to say here is, you learn really quickly that when you introduce somebody to something or someone, if it goes wrong... (laughs) Yeah, that's... (laughs) is unequivocally your fault somehow, even though you were trying to do the right thing at the time. And in our line of work, the relationship and the trust we've got with our clients is almost like the cornerstone of everything we do. But what I try to do is eliminate anything that can jeopardize that. And it might sound silly, but if the, you know, the, the spiker comes to me and says, oh, I've had enough of this wholesaler. Do you know any others? And I go, oh, yeah, use um, Eddie's in, you know, wherever. They're great. I know the lad there. And then the first order's late or they get it wrong. It's amazing that Eddie's don't get the blame. <laughs> All of a sudden, like, I have shares in Eddie's and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, yeah. I'm, I'm in charge of logistics. So we don't. We don't strongly recommend stuff, but but I think for good reason, if that makes sense. No, it definitely does. Yeah, no, definitely. And obviously the final stage is, is getting paid. So I uh, assume you're obviously involved with invoicing as well off the back of the quotes. 
we certainly are. Yes, obviously, cash flow. Um, I think is a word that most trades here um, understand to a degree. Uh, it's it's a funny thing, and and again, um, I never point the finger, and it, and it doesn't surprise me that um, electricians are terrible at getting invoices out because. Without question, my least fav my least favorite two days of any month is when I send my invoices out. Um, I think as a business owner, there's this very weird psychology in most of us where we enjoy what we do, we want to do a good job, and we kind of sometimes forget <laughs> the reason we're doing it, and, and we kind of sometimes forget that Without getting that invoice out and even more importantly paid, the whole thing is a waste of time. I don't fully understand why we do it as business owners, but I, I speak from experience. I know I do it. So when a Sparky will say to me, uh, oh, I have an invoice for six weeks, I don't fall off my chair like in shock. I, I almost kind of go, look, I get it. <laughs> I understand it. It's more common than you think. So. What we try to do is we try to invoice live, you know, we try to get them into the habit of that job's been done, quick message into your account manager, get it invoiced. And then that job gets invoiced on the day it's done. Some Sparkies like to do maybe Fridays, uh, a week's worth of invoices. But again, when you've got somebody doing it for you, it's another thing you haven't got to worry about, it's another thing you haven't got to do. And as long as we've up until that point been involved, and as long as we've got the right information, um, and as long as we're getting the early invoices checked by the company owner, just to make sure they're happy, it's amazing how quickly that trust and that, that kind of relationship builds to a point where maybe six months down the line, we're almost just doing it on autopilot. Um, and a lot of the softwares that are available now, you can kind of change the status of a job and you can literally, on site, when the job's done, market has completed. It's then, of course, in the office, <laughs> your back office team, us, uh, we then know to invoice that and get the invoice sent off. Nice email, PDF attached. Job done, you know? Uh, and it's all been accounted. The bookkeeper's happy. The accountant's happy. The customer's happy. Uh, well, maybe not. Maybe they were hoping you didn't invoice them. But... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, but I, I just think again, it, it, it's no surprise that these things build up. It, life gets in the way, you know. Life and work often get in the way, and uh, it's the last thing that needs to be done. But it is something that I think a lot of business owners put off because they know they can. Uh, and when you do that, you create a very, very dangerous situation where I'll do all of this week's invoices next week becomes, Christ, I haven't invoiced for a month. Mm. Um, and it's funny. People don't ring up and tell you you have an invoice. People are, people are chasing you a quote, but they will not ring up and tell you that they haven't received an invoice. Some of them do, but by and large, people uh, maybe put their head under the blanket a little bit when it comes to that. <laughs> You want a star against that client when they make that call. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? They 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 do exist, Gary. They really do. Like they're and they're very pleasant people. 
you know, and they're genuinely concerned that they, you know, had a service and they haven't paid. Um, but they're rare. <laughs> they are. Yeah. They're rare. They're unicorns, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's, I'm going to put, put you on the spot here. What's the one lesson you've learned in your six years that you've, you've found is the most valuable? Consistency. It's really easy. It, 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 uh, again, it, it's and, and, and I'm I'm so fortunate um, in the situation that we are in as a company because if you can imagine, in the same way I am able to hopefully advise on pricing and markup on materials and what you can and can't get away with charging for maybe certain products. Um, another amazing thing that happens is if you look at a pool of a hundred electricians, you can see the superstars. You can you can very very easily and very very quickly identify the top five percent, shall we say? Hmm. And because this stuff fascinates me, I then start to make comparisons and I start to see what they're doing that others aren't. And the list is mega, like, you know, there's a million things you've got to do as a business owner. But by and large, consistency is the rarest of a, of a trait. It, it really is. Like, we've all been there. We, you come out of, you know, you turn over a new leaf. New Year's Day, best example ever. You know, you know we're all going to be fit, healthy, going to drink less. It lasts for a week two if you're lucky, and then again life gets in the way. If you can master the art of being consistent in your business and doing the things that you know you need to do. So there's another mad thing. It's not that people don't know that they should turn up on time, that they should follow up on quotes, that they should get their quotes out within a reasonable amount of time, that they should answer the phone, you know, that they should that they should send their invoices, but the, the ones who have mastered being better at that kind of consistency, having a system in place that allows them to week in, week out, month in, month out, year, year in, year out. If you can do that, you will build a fantastic organisation, and um, because it's so rare. It, it really is so, so rare. Um, and people really underestimate it. And people, people often think that being consistent for a month or maybe two is going to cut the mustard. But it's madness, you know. I'm talking go away and be consistent for five years and see what you've got because it'll be like a gold mine. Because everybody needs electrical work doing. There's a huge percentage of what we do which is reactive, so it's never going to go away. You need the new fuse board, you need a new fuse board, you know? Um doesn't matter how much your petrol costs. Um and and, and it's just that keep doing the the, the the important things well that will ultimately put you head and shoulders above the rest, Gary, because I don't mind saying it, and I I've said it to many, many electricians, the bar is crazy low. Like in order to stand out, you don't have to actually do that much. Mm. You know, 
like the amount of times we will answer the phone and people will say to us, amazing, finally got to speak to somebody. Like, that's, we haven't even spoken about the problem. They are just over the moon <laughs> the person on the end of the phone. And then when you dig deeper, they will tell you they've rang three or four electricians before they got to you. And, no, nah, no one's answered. So, from a business point of view, it, it, I understand why it's happening. But if you can make very small changes and you can become like the superstar in your area, your town, really, really easily, in my opinion. Oh, I think that's a, that's a brilliant message. Work-life work balance. Yeah. And, and consistency. So I think those are great messages to, to finish on. I do have one last question though. Yes. And um, what's your favourite movie? My favourite movie? I hate questions like this. You know when people ask what your favourite <laughs> I'm just like, my mind, it's like I've never seen a movie in my life. What's um, your favourite software? No, I'm joking. <laughs> what's your favourite <laughs> favorite movie? Oh, I can answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> God, I really can answer that one. Um, so, it, it, I think it's either going to be... Do you remember a film called Seven with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman? Yeah, isn't that the murder one? Yeah. yeah, the Seven Deadly Sins or something. That's amazing. But I have to admit, mate, look, I've got an eight-year-old daughter. Frozen 2, The Greatest Showman. Um, I'm feeling all them. But I, you know what I mean? I, Musical I lover. More Saturday night, popcorn, beer. Family, you know, stick stick Elsa on, singing Let It Go, Happy Days. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> no, that's amazing. And, uh, you know, thank you very much for your time, and it's been uh, really interesting chatting with you. Yeah, I really appreciate you inviting me on, mate. Um, you're doing a brilliant job. Mm. Cheers. Thank you. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening.